Let's start off very, very basic. Will a six pack help me as a soccer player? Logically. Why pregame meals are important. If you do strength training, you can generate more force on the ground. It will take you less stride to get to that ball. Until you get there, you can make that up with hard work and dedication and training. On top of it, right? So if you're a player that has little to no training history, imagine the, the gains and speed that you can get in such a short period of time because you're doing things. This is why strength training is important. I don't care how you do your strength training. I don't you know some people like to go to the gym. I just wanted to double down on that really quick. The point is you have to get stronger. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to this latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It's me, your co-host Andy, with my man, man, Sebastian. Sebastian, how you doing today, bro? Chilling. Happy the Prem is back. We had a little one-week hiatus. Got to watch a little more Champions League, but we're back. Yeah, I, I saw that there, there's even a few more games postponed this weekend. Is, is that right? Yeah, so I think they're, they're canceling three games still, and that's because they, they're not going to be able to have enough like police presence at games in London, because that's where all of the all the Queen's burial events are going going down. So they can't dedicate enough police to like keep stadiums safe or whatnot. So they canceled those games in the meantime. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, certainly, you know, a good amount of games are back. Uh, something is better than nothing. Uh, I think, you know, I'm excited for, I haven't been able to watch as much as I wanted these last few weeks, but I am very excited for Madrid Derby on Sunday. I think that's going to be, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, man, we're going to get some drama with that. I, I, you know, I'm not a big Real Madrid fan, but, but I'm a big fan of good players. So I'm hoping Vinny gets his goal and we'll see how Atletico responds to him dancing. So wait, wait. So I saw this loosely on Twitter the other day, and you guys, you're probably gonna listen to this episode about two weeks after this yeah. game is being played. <laughs> um, so it might be, it might be actually more enjoyable um, listening to this afterwards. But like, what's the deal with all that? Like, I saw him posting a video it was in Portuguese. I didn't really listen. Um, everybody's saying like, dance, Vinny, dance. Like, what's going on here? Uh, well, I guess the, the main background is he's been he's been scoring more goals, and his his celebration includes you know going to the corner flag and doing a little dance afterwards, and like standing in front of his home fans usually. And so Koke, who plays for Atletico, said um, basically they wouldn't be okay with that happening if, if in this game. They said like if he kind of like if he if he dances, we'll see what happens, but like we'll we'll not be all right with it. Um, so it's like one. I guess they're upset he's dancing and celebrating, but in my opinion, who cares, you know? Just don't mm. let him score if you don't want him to dance on you. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a very good point. And, you know, like you said, he's been scoring more goals recently, and he's been feeling himself. And um, I, I think I, I saw him post a video about – it was about his dancing, but it was also um, – wearing a shirt called like the Vinnie Jr. Foundation. So maybe he's like dancing for charity. So if that's the case, you really can't say anything. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, he's uh he's a quality player and he's getting better. And, you know, he's he's feeling the, the Brazilian flair. Exactly. So I, I see no problem with it. I, obviously, if you're showboating in the middle of the game, like you're going to get a hard tackle. But if you score your goal, you get your minute to celebrate whatever you want to do. Um, as long as you're not getting in people's faces, whatever, it's fine. 
Um, I think Atletico Madrid, knowing how they are, they they're just uh, very old school. They don't want any flair out there. They just want some passes of the ball, some long balls, no celebrations. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no celebrations because the game ends 0-0 with, like, exactly. one shot on target, you know. Exactly. But it is what so it we'll is. We'll probably see some, some highlights in this, some yellow cards going out there. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, today's episode, it's, it's an interesting one, I think. Um, you've been on the pod for, for a few months now, you know, the people have heard from you, but we want to learn more about your story, um, your, your kind of upbringing and, um, how you got into physical therapy, how you mixed it with soccer, everything like that. So why, why don't you start at the beginning for us? Like, what's your, what's your story? Oof. All right. So you said interesting episode and followed up with me. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I was born in Colombia. So I speak Spanish still. Spoke spoke Spanish throughout my entire childhood and like early adulthood at home, um, which has been very valuable to me as a physical therapist. Um, so born in Colombia, came to the U.S. when I was six years old. Um, my parents and I uh, we moved to New Jersey, which is how we have a little bit of a relation relationship there. And from there, I, I honestly, I played soccer, like youth, youth soccer one time. I think it was like seven or eight years old. I played for one year. And then from there, because having that um, like language barrier, my parents didn't really know how to continue signing me up for soccer. So up until like middle school, I didn't play soccer again. I would still watch. I'd still be, be very interested. Um, but in middle school is when I started taking it more seriously. So... Um, at, at that point, I really fell in love with the game um, right around seventh grade, I would say. So that was like 0405, 0506. And I remember biggest highlight for me soccer-wise was when, probably classic story, my dad took me out of school early one time on like a Wednesday or something like that to watch the Champions League final Barcelona against Arsenal. Oh! Um, that's, the, that's the one where I think Arsenal took a 1-0 lead, someone got a red card, and then Barcelona won 2-1. And that's when I those became my those became my two favorite teams right mm. then and there because they were so wow. fun to watch. They were so like enjoyable and such a memorable day for me. You know, getting out of school early, you're hyped. You're like, oh, nice! I get to skip my last two periods of school, and then you're home. And you're like, oh my god, this game is ridiculous. Uh, so I really fell in love with it that day. Um, and then, as far as getting into physical therapy, I, I was very interested in physical therapy when I was in like. Oh, a junior or senior in high school and classically like many PT students and physical therapists will tell you, you know, I had my injury senior year of high school I was about to start uh, I was about to start a game against I forget what school it was but I was warming up and I was taking it a little too intensely and I was going for every single loose ball because I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna dominate this game today I'm ready I'm ready and then I like overstepped a little bit and I felt like a crunch happening in my knee Mm. classic story right <laughs> and then turns out I, I tore my meniscus doing that so I didn't even get to start that game I got mm. injured in the warm-ups and from then I eventually went to college Boston University and then trying out for the club team there I tore my ACL so, oh and then yeah yeah and then I, I ended up getting physical therapy after I had that surgery and that really convinced me like, all right, this is definitely the career path for me. Like I really enjoy the social aspect of it. I love that I get to work with people of all kinds. I get to work with athletes because um, I, 
I knew I wanted to be involved in soccer one way or another for my whole life. So I figured, you know, if I could be a physical therapist, I could work with athletes and I can get to work with soccer players, maybe be on a soccer team again. And so pursued that. And now here we are. Um, honestly, that all that, like all those injury times are wild. So when I tore my meniscus in high school, my parents didn't have health insurance at the time. So I never really got to go get that checked out. So I just kind of like, I don't want to say rehab on my own because I didn't even know like what rehab looked like. Um, but I just kind of did the classic thing of like rest, start training a little bit again. Every once in a while, I would feel it like crunch again. I'd be like, oh, man. Um, so that that was, um, I think in retrospect, I I wish I knew what I knew now about how to treat it and everything like that. But it was a good experience to know what people who maybe don't have all the best healthcare go through. So now mm-hmm. I'm able to help people that much more. And um, a lot of the soccer players I work with, I, I kind of, if if they don't know how the healthcare system works, I try to guide them through it. Cause I remember that personal experience and I don't want them to go through the same type of situation. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of noticed that as well as, as much as we like to help people, getting them back to full 100% health through physical therapy or fitness or whatever. Navigating the healthcare system is a skill that is separate to that. And it is it is so important to to know how it works because it it could really make or break your case and even as simple as, you know, having a a doctor that you know and trust that accepts your insurance, that's that is that's hard to find but um yeah credit to you for for trying to figure that out and eventually you know you got it right with the um with the um the surgery you had down the line what was that experience like having surgery um in college like what what was that like for you yeah so i tore my acl i think it was probably like september of sophomore year so that was 2011 and it was early in the year and like i wasn't about to go get surgery like right then in college i went to i went to boston university which if if you know that area it's it's very hard to get around if you have to be in crutches yeah so so safe to say i did not get the surgery right away i basically waited the entire school year and then went back home to new jersey in may Hmm. and then Parents still didn't have health insurance, and I think the school insurance didn't work while I was away from school. So my my mom like knew a friend who worked in a physician's office, and and then the physician agreed to do the surgery pro bono. So like he, he did the surgery without a cost to me. However, what we didn't know, again, managing the healthcare system, was that the hospital had its fees for being there and like the anesthesiologist was also going to charge like $7,000 for putting you to sleep and making sure you woke up again, which is fair. You know, mm-hmm. you want to not feel it and you also want to get back up. And <laughs> <laughs> we are asking a lot, but <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> um, but then, so I had that summer off, but it kind of messed with things because I was, I was actually in an athletic training slash PT program in undergrad and, I ended up not being able to take my physics classes that I had to, to like take to stay in that program. So I actually didn't get to stay in the in that combined program. And so I had to switch my major to health science because that one didn't need physics. Mm. So 
as far as like that experience of having surgery while in college, the, the summer itself was okay because I was, I was home and I got to go to a few PT sessions before having to do it all on my own just because no health insurance. And, and going back to college, it was kind of, it was tough at first because of so much walking and I hadn't built up all the strength that I needed. Um, again, in retrospect, I would have done a whole lot more strengthening. But, but the surgery aspect, what was scariest was just like being on the bus, honestly, uh, both before the surgery and after. Because before the surgery, like being on the bus and it's like crazy stops, accelerating crazy turns because you know how like Boston streets are and just feeling unstable on my knee. And then after the surgery, I was like, OK, well, I don't want to be pushing on it too hard because like I don't want to re-tear this thing. So the day that I knew that I was like, okay, like I'm good to go in normal life at least was, and I was able to take the bus and like I didn't even think about it. Like I was just like comfortable. And to me, like in retrospect, that's crazy because like that's that's not even that's not something you think about all the time. Usually you're like, oh, how's it feel when you cut, when you twist, when you turn, like when you're dribbling with the ball. But I was like, the little thing was just like being able to stand on the bus without feeling like you're gonna tear your ACL again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because of that no rehab, I ended up taking like a full year to start playing soccer again because uh, I didn't want to retear it. I was, you know, I was practicing little things. I was going to the gym. I was running a little bit, doing a little bit of cutting on my own. But it was like that fear of being back on the field because when I tore it, it wasn't nothing crazy. It was literally I was playing center back and I was right center back and the left center back passed me the ball. So I received it with my right foot to open up to the right. And as my left foot's planted, you, you normal turn. You, I just felt a little pop. Nothing mm-hmm. really hurt. It didn't hurt or anything. But then within two minutes, I was defending someone and I couldn't keep up. I was like, I can't sprint. Like I literally cannot push off on this leg. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, something's wrong with my body. So when I went to start playing again, I was like, my body literally just, it felt like it betrayed me because I hadn't done anything crazy. I was like, all I did was turn something I've done thousands of times of times in my life. So getting that confidence back took a while for sure. But once I was back, I haven't really had any crazy issues due to that since. Now, there's a lot there. And I want to come back to one thing um, kind of later in the episode. But how did you get your confidence back? Because I'm sure there are, there are people listening, um, whether they be older or younger, that just so happen to stop playing the game because they experience an injury and they're scared. They don't want it to happen again because, you know, maybe they're an adult now or maybe they're they're in college. Maybe they're in grad school. They're in a position where they they can't afford to take another eight to 12 months to do another set of rehab, right? So like, how, how did you get your confidence back to the level where you feel not only safe on the field, but like, yeah, I can play and, you know, it, I, I'm not scared of being out for six months from work. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, all, all these things in retrospect, I wish I, had, I wish I had a me to be my physical therapist back then. <laughs> Um, but I, I got it back by just slowly but surely just reintegrating into small-sided games and like small little pickup games and whatnot. Um, I made sure that they weren't like the highest, highest level. Like I wasn't playing with people that were like on like on the D1 college team or anything like that. Um, but more friends and people that were on the club team and stuff like that because they, they also knew. Like they knew that I had was still kind of coming back from that almost traumatic experience from that surgery. 
And when I started playing again, I wouldn't, I, I didn't play with that initial confidence. I, I, I started off like receiving and passing, receiving and passing, like not trying to dribble at people too much, defending, I was taking it a little bit easy. But then once I got a few reps in, it was just like 4v4, 5v5, up to like, I think the most we played was like 8v8 in small sides. And so slowly just gaining confidence on the ball, remembering I can pass the ball. Um, the, the first time I went for a challenge, like I went to like tackle someone like that, I was... It wasn't scary in the moment, but like right afterwards, I was like, oh, like, all right, I'm okay. Like, this is fine. Mm. Um, so I guess just reincorporating myself into playing with other people, but being with people that you trust that, like, you know, they're not going to like try to take your legs out from under you if, if they lose the ball or something like that. Um, so kind of being around your, your own friends and everything. Yeah, that's... That's important, and um, there we, we can do a whole episode on on just that. But kind of moving forward, you touched on it a little bit. You were in Boston's three plus three, and then you had to transition out because of that one class. Mm-hmm. What was your experience applying to PT school like? Oof. Yeah, I, I love this conversation because I've gotten to talk to a lot of PT students or prospective PT students about it. So. My path to becoming a physical therapist was definitely not linear. Um, my freshman year, I was classic college freshman. Like in, in high school, I never had to study like straight A's, the occasional like B plus, and like it was easy. And then I got to college, and DU is a very challenging school. And one, I think like Netflix had just started getting popular. Um, I was around all these new people. I was in a big city, so I like still didn't know how to study, but also the classes were hard, so I didn't do very well. Um, and then, so by the end of college, I got my healthcare, my health science degree, um, but my GPA, because my freshman year was not great. Um, by the time I was a junior, senior, I was getting straight A's in college again, but you know how PT schools care about your GPA and whatnot. So I applied right out, did not get in. And then I retook a couple classes, applied again, did not get in. Retook a couple other classes, a third year. At that point, I'm like, all right, like, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to have to figure out, like, what I'm doing with my life. Like, mm. do I become a medical writer? Like, what can I even do with this health science degree? It's, like, very vague. So applied one more time, got into Nova Southeastern and South Florida and Fort Lauderdale area, mm. and kind of went from there. Um, that process was grueling, I would say. But if you're ever in that kind of situation, the main thing I would say is try to reach out to schools, like, let them know of your interest so they can know that you really care about it and retake any classes that you had really bad grades. So I, I happened to have bad grades in the classes that were most important, like all the prerequisites, because I, I took them freshman year. Mm. So I had poor grades in all those classes and like the bios and like organic chemistries, things that like you weren't, you wouldn't really be interested as a freshman if you're like not trying to become a biologist or a chemist. Um, so I had poor grades in that, retook all those classes, got A's in all those boosted my GPA like just above a 3.0 at that point. And then finally, as soon as that happened, I applied again and I finally got in. And then once I was in PT school, it was back to getting good grades again. Like it was just a matter of like those little things where you're a freshman, you don't really think about like what you're trying to do with your life later on, or you don't know like how much those classes matter because you're just trying to like get used to the world. You're not home anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, those really affected it. But in retrospect, honestly, it all worked out because once I got to PT school, um, I had a great time and I think I'd really made the most of it while I was there. Yeah. And even looking back, like 
I, I sometimes wonder if, what do we start PT school too early in terms of how old we are going into it? Because, I mean, as someone who, who kind of went straight through, if I could change one thing, I wish I was a little bit more mature kind of going into PT school. Yeah. And 22-year-olds just are not mature, especially 22-year-old yeah. males. And I don't know. Do you, do you think that going in a little bit older helped you like during your, your processes and your studies and everything? Yeah, for PT school, 100%. And I think that youth going into college like was also like the downfall in a way. Um, but yeah, it, it being a little bit more mature going into PT school definitely helped because I I knew the importance of it. Like if I had gone in as a 22-year-old, like those first two semesters or first semester like of classes, maybe you're more prone to getting to know your, all your classmates again and like going out and just trying to have fun and enjoy everyone being around, which is fair. Like I still kind of did that as I was 25 when I started PT school. I still did that, but... I also knew like, all right, like I got to get home and study. Like I'm not staying out till 2 a.m. It's like mm. I'll stay out till 10 or 11 on a Friday so I can like be okay to wake up on Saturday and review some of the notes from the week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I definitely think it helped. And then it led to be me just being more involved. So like I was president, president of my class, of my college. I, I became the chair of the Florida Student Special Interest Group. Um, I coached club soccer while I was in PT school. All the things. And all my classmates were like, how are you like, how are you doing all this? Like, why are you doing all this? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do want to hear about everything that happened after PT school and to bring you up to this point. Uh, let's take a quick break. And right when we're back, we'll, we'll get all into it. So we'll catch you on the other side. VTruve is a reliable, affordable, and easy-to-use velocity-based training system that allows sports medicine staff to monitor and evaluate an athlete's performance in the gym. There are so many scientific papers supporting velocity-based training, showing how athletes can get stronger, more powerful, and reduce their injury risk. Most of all, it's one of the best ways to maximize athlete intent during a fitness or rehab session. Check out the link in the description to learn more about VTruve today. The Soccer Fitness Experience Podcast is an official partner of Concussion Corner Academy a 12-week program designed for the working healthcare professional looking for top-notch educational content in the concussion sector. So if your rehab provider wants to learn more about concussion evaluation and treatment, check out the link in our show notes. All we ask is if you like what you see and want to enroll, use our affiliate link in the description to help support the show. All right, we are back. Um, Sebastian is still here. We are talking about what happens after PT school. So Walk us through, you know, your your last kind of year in school and how you navigated um, boards, COVID, getting a job, all that good stuff. Yeah, last year of PT school was kind of crazy uh, with COVID going on. Um, so during my last clinical rotation, I was doing inpatient and um, all due respect to inpatient physical therapy, it was not my favorite, uh, just knowing what I do now. Um, but that kind of, that got cut short because of COVID. So I kind of lucked out. I would say I got, I got five weeks into the ten week experience. Uh, fortunately, my school wanted us to do forty weeks of rotation, and minimum requirement nationally is thirty weeks. So we were able to not to just kind of be done. 
Um, and then I had like three months until board. So I was kind of like chilling, but also stressing. Cause I was like, if I like mess this up after having three months to study for it, like, what am I doing? Um, safe to say I passed it. Um, and then, and then after that, um, my now wife and I decided to move to Atlanta. Um, we were, we were thinking about either Northeast or California, or even Pacific Northwest and decided the only Southern city we'd be okay with was Atlanta. Um, and she went to Emory, so we had visited a few times, and or I had visited a few times, and we decided that it was going to be just right. We didn't really want to be in Boston for the winter, South Florida, all that heat, so Atlanta was just right. And getting my first job, I just got a, a classic outpatient PT job. It, and it was peak COVID, so it was like you just got to find a job and be able to move. Um, I, I wasn't really as selective as I would have tried to be if there was no COVID going on. And as soon as I moved here, I reached out to soccer teams instantly. Um, and I got very lucky. I reached out to what's, what was Jenga and became Atletico Atlanta. And now they've, they've since moved. Um, but that team won the UPSL National Championship. So I was, I was really lucky to work with that team. Worked with a lot of very talented players, many of whom are now overseas. Um, and we got a couple that are now in like UPSL Championship and like the, the top tier NISA level as well. So that was a wonderful experience. Got to work with a ton of players there and learned a lot about coaching as well from, from our coach back then. And then from there, I've, I've since moved on to creating my own like soccer, physical therapy and performance um, company as well. And that, that's been a lot of fun to work on. It's, it's tough trying to build up your own business and whatnot, but it's been a lot of fun. And I've gotten to know a ton of coaches in the Atlanta area as well. I, I like to think I'm sort of a resource to like any Spanish-speaking player in the area, just not just soccer, but like um, I'm a big resource to the Spanish-speaking players because that's where the families might not know how the healthcare system works, or they might not have health insurance. Um, so trying to be involved in that regard to the community. And now I'm working with Potros FC, which is um, an Atlanta area team. They're based more out of uh, Marietta or Cobb County here in Atlanta, and been a lot of fun I've been, I've been able to get a little bit of coaching experience as well um it's been a good ride man i've just, I've just been enjoying it as much as possible that there there's a lot there let's let's start with when you first started with um atletico atlanta mm -hmm. I, I i know that for me personally i i started with a similar team up in new jersey um soon after graduation and what were some of the benefits that you got from that experience within those few months after graduating? I think there's a few benefits there. Um, I think as, as physical therapists during PT school, we don't, we don't get much exposure to working with athletic teams. We were usually just like either in a hospital or in an outpatient setting. So, so actually being with a soccer team and learning what it's like to be sort of like their healthcare provider, like their strength and conditioning coach as well, you you kind of learn, I won't say your place, but you kind of learn your place where you're not coaching, you're not telling, telling everyone what to do all the time, but you need to be ready at a moment's notice to help somebody out, whether it's because of an injury or um, they're really trying to work on their, their speed or whatever they might be trying to work on. So kind of learning how you can best help the team without like while knowing that you're not the star, while you're not the you're not the main character of sorts with a team. Oftentimes there is no main character. So you're just kind of being a part of the collective. So 
whether it meant um, picking someone up on the way to, to training or on the way to a, a game that was two hours away, um, or whether it meant running onto the field when someone was injury, kind of learning what that was like was great. Cause you know, if, if, if I have aspirations of potentially doing this for a professional team one day, like it, it'd be good to have that experience to, to not just show up for that job one day and be like, Oh yeah, like, what do I do? Um, I learned a lot about coaching the coach we had at the time was great. So learning how more about like implementing strategy was good. I'm a physical therapist, but I love coaching too. So so learning about that was very valuable for me. And then the, I think that what I got most from it is just like you, you get that love of like being a part of a team and being a part of some of a group working towards a goal together. Right. So I was never out there. I never played with them and I wasn't the one scoring goals or, or saving shots either. But I, I knew that I played a role in helping certain players be healthier, a little faster or letting them know, like, yes, you can play and you're not going to like cause any further injury in a situation and then that player then scoring the game winning goal for example like like you play a role in it you might not be the one scoring or saving the shots but getting all of those experience was extremely valuable to me so important so important and it's the the, the one kind of takeaway that that I really experienced was being able to work with athletes on a daily basis and in school, like that's what we that's what we really want. That's what we really look for. And that's what we look for on clinicals too. And I, I think for people listening, if you're finishing up school and you know you want to work in a sport environment, I, I know it's not it's not great advice, but I would consider, highly consider finding a sport that you really like and going up to a team and offering your your services, maybe for free, maybe for a little bit of money, but I, I really do think that the experience you will get at that level of being like, in, in terms of, of who the players have available to them, like you're that guy, like you are the provider for them. And you'll be hit with so many things that you wouldn't even expect, but that's going to force you to grow because you're going to go back to that team a few days later and you're going to have a solution, hopefully, for them. Um, so I, I think that's one takeaway that, that players that are listening, players and, and PTs and strength and conditioning um, can, can really learn from. Agreed. That is correct, yes. So many things you can learn at all times from all the people around you. Now, how was it starting your own business? What was that like? Why did you do it? Um, give us the, the story behind that. Well, I think similar to you, it's just a love of working with soccer players, a love for the game. And I guess for me, it's just like, it's what I enjoy doing the most, anything in soccer. So um, in a classic outpatient situation, you, yeah, you occasionally get to see some athletes or some, some high level um, adults that are trying to get back into like running or playing tennis or whatever sport they want to play. But it's not, it's not, all that common so i'm those gears aren't always being worked i'm not always thinking about that while i'm at quote unquote work however i wanted to challenge myself to to have to help soccer players to like have to work on a return to sport program on the field not just like all right like let's just get quad strong which is important like that's not to not to devalue it that's probably the most important thing after like an acl surgery for example but being able to be back on the field with them and really help them progress to being a part of the team again 
that just not not to be kind of corny but like it sparks joy like i leave those sessions and i'm like re-energized i'm like man like that was that was a lot of fun and i got paid for it and i helped somebody out like like there's nothing better than that so um it, it kind of just gives pure joy but then it was it's definitely been challenging because like I'm, i don't have a business background i i'm not one to i'm not great at selling things to people that's something i've definitely been working on you know like um, knowing how fortunate I was that my surgeon was able to do my surgery for, for free, at least from his regard, um, and knowing my experience, I, I'd get a sense almost of guilt knowing that people might be in a similar situation. But then I have to remember, like, I can't just be working for free all the time. Like, I still need to still need to pay bills. I still need to have a home. Um, so I think that's been the most challenging aspect of it. Like, I, I just want to do things. And Sometimes you have to remember your value and like you, you bring a certain value to things and you deserve to be paid for it. So I, I would say that's definitely been the most challenging part. And then there's also like little like business things that like if, yeah, if I would taken a business course, I have a time I would have learned it faster, but um, it's all been a fun experience. It's definitely something I'm, I'm grateful I did and I, I look forward to continuing to work on it. That, that's, that's really good to hear. Um, I, I think that every physical therapist, actually everybody, period, um, if you're if you're grown and out of school, I think that you should have a business um, because we saw it ourselves coming out of school that we were in one of the safest jobs, right? In terms of job security, everything. It was like, oh, in physical therapy, you won't have to worry about ever finding a job because they'll always be available and we graduate and there's a pandemic and that's that's not the case and you know i i think it's it's important for everybody to be able to make an income from themselves not not to say that you need to have a full client list at all times but like if something goes bad you have everything set up where if you really really need to you can start up on your own um, I, I, I think that is the, the floor of what our profession should be, honestly. Yeah, um, you're your own backup plan. Yes, you are the backup plan. And, you know, that, that really does, it gives you a little bit of leverage, too, and a little bit of confidence going into, going into jobs and everything like that. Because let's say, you know, your one kind of stopping point is you want to work with soccer players in clinic, right? Well, if you go from clinic to clinic and they're saying, oh, we have all these things, yada, yada, yada. And sometimes they say things and sometimes they're not there, right? So I think it's important. If you want something, don't be dependent on your employer to give it to you. I think you should be able to get it on your own. And if your employer happens to give it to you, that's great. But if not, you already have a backup plan that won't limit what you want to do in the future. I think that, that sums it up perfectly. So um, kind of wrapping up the episode, um, what are some of the, the, let's do two or three lessons that you've learned along your way that you think future PTs and people who want to aspire to work in, in soccer um, can take away from this episode? Oof. All right. Number one, I think from my personal story is like, you just can't give up if it's what you really want. Right? Like I, I easily could have given up after not getting into PT school the first time, after not getting into PT school the second time. 
Um, but I, I knew it's what I wanted to do. So I just kept working at it. Um, anytime I had a situation where I quote unquote failed, I didn't just like, yes, there were some days where I was just like, dang, like this sucks. Like, what am I going to do? Um, but I didn't dwell on that for too, too long. I looked at it almost like a new problem to solve. I was like, all right, like if I'm looking at my application, what's, what's not there. And then from there, I tried to dissect that and I was like, okay, I can build up my experience. I can retake those classes. I can reach out to school. So by the third time around, I had retaken enough classes with, uh, with, and gotten an A on them. I had volunteered at a couple of different PT places. I had worked in an inpatient hospital and I had worked in outpatient. So I had plenty of experience and I had reached out to the people at the schools. So by that time, I finally got into one. Um, so I think that's a huge takeaway. Like if, if you, again, quote unquote, fail or you, you see like a, a problem there, just kind of try to break it down and try to solve it and continue working at it if you really, really want it. Um, I think another takeaway from it is to challenge yourself, push yourself. Uh, like I said, when I was in PT school, I did all those things, but it kind of led to making plenty of connections um, for after PT school. So there, there's still people I, I still talk to from when I was in PT school about um, how to continue growing, how to become a medical, a better physical therapist. Um, I, I actually did a talk for the Florida PT Association, like central district on, on soccer players and rehab considerations uh, about a month ago. And that's because I had friends and connections um, down in that area because of all the all the work that I did while I was down there. So sometimes put, putting yourself a little bit outside of your comfort zone can help put you in a position to succeed in the future. Um, and I think the other main thing is when you do get into this, into working with athletes or in a sport, remember you're not you're not necessarily the star player anymore. You you have to make yourself a part of the team again, and that's okay. It, I've have not felt bad, bad about it a single time. Um, I I end up working with the players and with the team and integrating yourself as part of a team again. That it brings a lot of joy. And if if you're if you want to be a part of it and you you enjoyed being a part of the team growing up or when you were playing in high school, college, pro level, um, staying as part of the team has a huge huge value. And just always remember you bring a ton to the table. And I guess last thing uh, is never undervalue yourself. Right when whenever you're working with people, whenever your whenever your um, people are reaching out to you for your services, remember that you do have value and don't have don't be afraid to let people know that there is a cost to working with you because people are reaching out to you for a reason. So feel free to earn a little bit of money from it. Mm, that, those were I like those. I like those a lot. Um, Sebastian, this was a this is a wonderful episode. I hope the people that are are listening now can have a, a more firm understanding of your path and why you do what you do and the services you provide. Um, yeah, I, I think this was a this was a good episode, a nice deep dive into into what you're what you're made of. And yeah, just thank you for sharing your story. Appreciate it, Andy. Um, always fun. And yeah, man, hopefully people learn a little bit more about me. And yeah, if people ever have any questions about anything about PT school or anything like that, always feel free to reach out. Perfect. We'll see you all next week.